Hey, good morning. Welcome to Real Life Online. My name's Billy. If I haven't met you yet, I'm the campus pastor up in Brewster. And Real Life exists to help people who are far from God to find real life in Christ. So thank you so much for tuning in with us this morning. Just a couple announcements we want you all to know about. On Valentine's Day, February 14th, we have a Real Kids event happening. And it's going to be on a Zoom call, a Zoom link. You can find that on our website, reallifencw.com. We're going to have these cookie packages that we can send out to your kids. And we're going to make cookies. And Tiffany, our Real Kids director, will be there making all that happen. If you have any questions, you can contact her. It's going to be at 1130 on Valentine's Day. She'll be happy to help answer any questions or get information to send you a package to make that happen for your kids. Secondly, if you're a man, if you're a guy, you want to be a part of a men's group, well, we've got one happening in the Chelan area with Mike Wold. He's going to be leading that up. It's going to be Wednesday morning, 6.30 a.m. You can find all his contact information on our website as well. You're going to go to the tab, find programs and real life groups, and you can find Mike Wold's information there to get you plugged into that. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for today. We thank you uh, that you are good, that you love people, you want people to grow, you want people to have real life in you. And so, Lord, we just pray that this morning would be a great morning that we can learn about you and we can apply some great things into our life so we can continue to move forward to love better and to be better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Enjoy the service. Good morning. Good to see you. Uh, just want to take a second and thank um, Kyle Wolber and Graham Monteleone and Billy Bosch for filling in the last few weeks. Um, not just filling in, but uh, doing a fantastic job as we uh, finished up our 2020 uh, hindsight series. Um, this morning on Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to start a brand new series called Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks. And uh, I'm not sure how you feel about the Super Bowl. I don't know if you care. I don't, I don't care if the Seahawks aren't in it. Here's what you can do. Stand by because take it to the bank. We have it on video. Next year, you'll be able to root for the Miami Dolphins as they win their first Super Bowl in decades. So stand by for that. We can all be uh, watchful and hopeful that that's going to happen. But today, we're going to talk about relationships. And uh, here's why we do this series. And almost every February, we do a series like this. And we usually come back to relationship talks somewhere in the year too, because they're so important. All right. And here's who this series is for, just so you know you're included. If you're a student, high school, college, grad, and you're single, and you want to date or hope to date, this is for you. Man, if you're listening, this is, this is be great stuff for you. If you're single, you're older and you're single and you're dating, this is for you. If you're married and you want your marriage to be better and you want to do better, 
This series is for you. If you, you used to be married and now you find yourself back out in the, the, the dating world, uh, man, God bless you. Uh, if you are anyone who just wants your marriage to be better and wants to be involved in a satisfying romantic relationship, this is for you. One of the reasons uh, I stay married is because I would hate to be back in, out into the dating world. I don't know what I would do. Nowadays, there's so many ways, we're told, to find the right person if you're looking for one. Right, so I interviewed some successful single people that I know, mainly Tito. And Tito says, these are the best dating apps out there on the World Wide Web, out there on the internets. Um, I'm not, no, so don't judge me by these. Judge Tito by them. Um, Zeus and OkCupid, okay Silver, Silver Singles, Tito um, looking to date some, some senior citizens. Uh, Bumble is, is romantic and friendship. Christian Mingle, he didn't spend a lot of time there. Um, e, e Harmony was uh, No Harmony. Um, he's still looking for a match. I'm not sure what Elite Singles is. I think that's rich people. Um, he, Tito did say he's had a little success on the Be Naughty app. Uh, that's not true. I don't even know what that is, so don't judge me or Tito. Uh, but come on, whether you're Tito or somebody else, look at all the ways there are to find the right person. And I would think that most of us would say, the people we know that are single, or even if we're married, is like, man, the struggle is still difficult to find the right person. As a pastor, um, I understand how complicated relationships can be. I do most of my talking with people, singles and couples, about relationships. I mean, they're super important. But what breaks my heart as a pastor, more than anything, is when I watch people make relationship decisions that undermine their relationships. It's frustrating and sometimes it makes me mad, but most of the time it's just so discouraging. Because there's so many times that I'll say or I'll think, listen, have you thought this through? I'll sit with the husband and say, if you continue to do this, have you thought through the consequences or where it would end up? Or have you seen this work out for anybody else? Dealing with high school kids or college kids that are dating and, and they're just serial daters and women, girls are treated like a commodity and guys are coming Cross as hypocrites and liars. They say one thing, but they do another. And, and, you, and I, have, you, have you ever seen this work out for anybody? And you're like, yeah, I watched a Netflix movie and, you know, it took 45 minutes uh, for the movie to tell us what was going to happen. And then they lived happily ever after and the movie ended. And that, but yeah, but that's not real life. Has anybody ever warned you that if you continue doing these things, your relationships are going to blow up? Married or single. And so... This thing's so important to me um, that we always stop and do four, five, six weeks of speaking about it. Because I know that when your relationships are better, your life is better. So a lot of this is we get into a bad place and bad relationships and we're bad partners because we, we have these um, unexplored assumptions that we assume stuff is true that's not. And I'm going to give you a couple myths that aren't true. And when I share them with you, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, no, that's not true. But still, if you stop and are honest with yourself, you'd say, 
Oh, yeah, I've acted that way before. I, I've lived as if that thing were true. That we all have stuff that informs our decisions and the way we're acting and the decisions we're making that we're unaware of. There's like this undercurrent of misinformation that causes us to do things and say things and make decisions that aren't any good. And then we look back and say, why the heck did I do that? So there's two myths that I want to talk about. The first is the right person myth. And maybe you've heard us talk about this before. And this myth isn't that, the myth isn't that there's a right person out there for you. I, I, I'm not sure about that. This myth is that once you meet the right person, then everything's going to be all right. And all the marriage people said, no, it's not. We think if we just find that right person, everything, everything's just going to fall into place. My finances and my, my physical health and my emotional, everything's just going to be, if I find the right person, everything's going to be fine. Regardless of what you've done in the past or the decisions you make. That once you meet the right person, everything's just going to get better. Um, so then you find the right person. You date them, you move in with them, you marry them. And it's like, uh-oh, everything's not all right. This must not be the right person. So I better, I must have chosen the wrong right person. I've heard that a lot from married couples. Married couples who call themselves Christians. Yeah, I married the wrong person. Well, all right. So if you married the wrong person and you're in a relationship with that person, now here's a dangerous place to be. Now you start looking for the next right person. You think, oh, I wouldn't do that again. I wouldn't make that mistake. We do it all the time. So we end that relationship, and now we're looking for, okay, I, I found the wrong right person. Now I just need to find the next right person, and then everything's going to be okay. Once I find them, everything will be fine. And we all like, no, we know that's not true. But still, I think, listen, I'll just be honest. I was that way. I met the lovely Darlene when she was 15 and I was 16. I knew she was that person, and I knew if I could just marry her, all my problems would go away. And to be honest with you, once I married her, all my problems got worse. I got worse. It accentuated all my problems. So I know that's true. When I was dating, when I was younger, I thought, I just, I found the right person. I just need to marry her. So, we find ourselves in a place where we think my bad financial habits, my bad physical habits, guys, you're like, oh, once I find the right person, I won't look at porn anymore. Girls, you're like, once I find the right guy, I won't feel insecure anymore. And we put all our marbles on one person thinking, this is going to be it. This is the person. And once I get here, everything's going to be a fine. And it is a myth. Maybe you've heard the Casey uh, Musgrave song, Somebody to Love. She says, we're all hoping, we're all hopeless. We're all thorns, we're all roses. We're all looking down our noses at ourselves. We're all flawed, we're all perfect, we're all lost, we're all hurting, and just searching for somebody to love. Of course we are. Then she goes on and she says, we're all good, but we ain't angels. We all sin, but we ain't devils. We're all pots and we're all kettles, but we can't see it in ourselves. And then this great last couple lines, she says, we're all living till we're dying. We ain't cool, but man, we're trying. Just thinking 
will be fixed by somebody else. And nobody wants that. We think if we find the right person, we'll all be, I'll be fine. I'll be better. And then we get married, and no one wants to be married to somebody who's always trying to fix them. So we think we're going to be fixed as soon as we get married. We get married, and then we're married to someone who's always trying to fix us. And I, okay, I know. You're like, I don't believe that. Well, maybe you don't say that out loud, but there's this undercurrent in our relationships, in our pursuit for a relationship, that maybe drives us. We know, because we're adults and we're wise, right, that there's more to a satisfying relationship than just finding or being found. We, I don't know how many times I've said this. I've been saying this, working with middle schools and high schools. Listen, falling in love requires a pulse. Anybody can do it. If you're breathing, you're, you can fall in love. Anyone can fall in love. It takes a pulse. But staying in love requires a plan. And most of us enter relationships with no plan. And staying in love requires preparation. Before we fall in love, before we say I do, before we get into a serious committed relationship, we better have had a plan and we're preparing for it. But the second myth gets in the way of preparation. Because the second myth says this, that it's the promise myth. And the promise myth says this, a promise replaces the need for preparation. If I make, I have words of commitment, everything will be fine. I'm going to stand up in front of a group of people and my lover, and I'm going to make my vows. I'm going to write my vows. The pastor's going to supply them for me, however you do it. And if I just stand up in front of everybody and I make a promise to stay committed for life, everything will be Okay, everything will be overcome with a promise and a party. That's what a wedding is. We stand up in front, we say, I do, and then we have a big party and reception afterwards. And so many of us, again, not outwardly, but underneath we think, if we can just get to that day and we give our vows and we mean them, then everything's going to be fine, no matter what we've done in the past. And even though we haven't done anything to prepare or learn how to be a great partner in relationships, everything's going to be fine. But you know, I know, that a promise is no substitute for preparation. This is true in every other area. If you want to be great in academics or sports or business or medicine, you study, you prepare, you practice, you, you work. Can you imagine this last week if uh, Tom Brady... I know we don't really love him around here. I'm kind of rooting for him today, though, because he's become the underdog now that he has a new team. But let's say Tom Brady. All week long, they haven't practiced. That he just meets all the guys in the locker room, and they go around in a circle, and all of them promise to win the game. And they look at each other seriously in the eyes. Maybe there's tears. And they say, listen, I promise we're going to win the game. Tom, I promise you we're going to win the game. No, that, that, that's a joke. None of us would accept that. Or there's a pep rally, and the coach comes in. Bruce, Bruce what's his name? Bruce, uh, coach, coach Bruce uh, uh, area. And, uh, I don't know his name. Um, he comes in, and there's a big, come on, we can do this. I promise we can win. And, and no, Nothing is a substitute for actual going out and practice and preparing. The chance of them losing the Super Bowl, having not practiced all week and preparing for the exact team they're going to be playing, 
It's a joke. You don't promise to win games, you prepare to win games. And we have that in almost every other area of life. And it seems like when it comes to relationships, that gets set aside. So, commitment's not overrated, but words of commitment are. I do doesn't mean I can. When I stood up in front of First Church of Nazarene in Nampa, Idaho with the lovely Darlene, I wrote my own vows. I said them and meant them. And when the pastor asked me if I would commit my life for all time to Darlene, I said I do. I had no idea that I didn't know how. Just saying I do didn't, know, didn't mean I could. Saying I do doesn't mean you're capable. It only makes you accountable. When we stand in front and we say, yep, I do. That doesn't mean I'm ready. That doesn't mean I have the tools. It just means I'm accountable. And what I have found out along the way is when you're accountable but not capable, you're miserable. When you say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I promise to do that. And then you figure out, I can't do that. Then you're miserable from sad to angry and everything in between. I found myself in a marriage with Darlene by no fault of her where I felt, okay, I promise I can dunk this basketball on a 10-foot rim. I promise. I stood up in front of our wedding day and I said, Darlene, I promise that every day when I get up, I will dunk this basketball. And some days I'll reverse dunk. Well, I can't even touch the net, let alone dunk a basketball. That I was accountable because I said I was going to do it. But I lacked the ability or had the information or the athleticness to do it. So I found myself being miserable. And what happens is because I couldn't do what I, what I promised I would do, then I had to take it out on somebody. So I would get mad at Darlene some days. Other days I would be mad at me. Other days I would be mad at my daughters. Other days I'd be mad at the world. Other days I'd be mad at my schedule. But the fact is I was miserable because what was expected of me and I expected of myself, I wasn't able to carry out. I was accountable, but I wasn't capable. Listen, some of you have been around real life a while. Some of you just found us during COVID. I'm so glad you did. And we, we spew out a lot of wisdom this this may be the most basic wisdom thing I've ever said. But if you aren't preparing, you won't be prepared. If you're doing nothing to prepare, you won't be prepared. And I'm sorry to say, all the steps Darlene and I took, and we dated a long time, we had little to no premarital counseling. We had no idea what was ahead of us and no one asked us questions and no one challenged us. So we had to get prepared after we were already married. So um, if you're dating, if you want to date, if you're in a relationship with someone you think is serious, you have to do things that get you prepared. If you're married and your marriage is good but not great or your marriage is really struggling, you still need to get prepared, and you can. You're like, oh, what? We, we, we're already married. Yeah, there's still ways for you to get prepared. There's still hope, and the series is for you as well. So let's move away from the two myths for a second, and let me give you some truth. Let me give you some Jesus truth. You hear us say this all the time. We think that Jesus can make a huge difference in your life. We say this all the time in real life. Following Jesus will make 
uh, your life better and make you better at life. Doesn't make all your problems going to go away. Doesn't make the world a better place. But you, it makes your life better. It makes you better at life. Real connection with Jesus. Not a phony, I'm a Christian and don't mean it. Not a hypocritical, not a judgy, not, 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 none of that. Real connection and following with Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. It will also make you better at relationships. When you are really, truly, not in a phony way, not in a judgy way, not in a, not in a legalistic way, but when you are really connected to Jesus, you'll be better at relationships. Um, following Jesus will help you not find the right person, but become the person. Have you ever um, met someone, you haven't seen them in years, and when you knew them before, um, they weren't religious, they didn't go to church, and then you catch up with them, and you like find out they met Jesus. They give their life to Jesus. And you spend a little time in talking, and inside you're like, man, you're different than you used to be. That, that there's been a change. You, you run into somebody and they used to be this way and now you talk to them and like, wow, they're, they're different. They seem, they seem more happy even though their life isn't perfect. And you discover that they didn't meet somebody new. They became somebody new. That when they became a father of Jesus, something happened inside them that they became a different person. Listen, the truth is, Following Jesus will make you your life better and make you better at life and make you better at relationships because you become the kind of person the person you're looking for is looking for. The greatest thing I could do this morning is to encourage you to stop your pursuit of finding the right person and put your attention on you becoming the right person. You become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. That you concentrate on what you are, who you are, what qualities you have, what you're bringing to the table, instead of what you're expecting from somebody else. That's a different discussion. All right? Here's two questions. Are you the person, the person you're looking for, is looking for? I heard a story the other day about this gal's college-age girl who came home and was talking to her mom. Her mom was ironing and... She says, Mom, she's all excited, Mom, I met this guy last night. And, you know, I'm you know, looking for someone to date and fall in love with and everything. I met this guy, and Mom, he's legit. He's a real Christian. He's like your kind of Christian. He loves Jesus. He goes to church all the time. And I'm super excited about him. And the mom stops ironing, puts the iron down, and she says, Honey, a guy like that, isn't looking for a girl like you. And the girl just dropped to the, her knees and started crying. Mom was harsh, maybe loving harsh, but the fact is who she was wasn't the type of person that someone like that was looking for. What kind of person are you? No judgment here, because God loves you. Jesus loves you no matter what you're like. I love you no matter what you're like. Right, so there's no judgment here. But are you the person? The person you're looking for is looking for? If you're married, are you still the person that the person you married was looking for? Or has life, kids, finances, job, got in the way of you being the person that you need to be for the person that you committed to? So all these dating apps, right? Um, 
They're all about finding. In fact, the beauty, and I don't know any of them, I haven't been on any of them. I'm only going by what the Honorable Tito Nunez tells me. Uh, the only thing I know about them is that you're looking for someone on there. And I think I can make my profile be anybody. I can make myself, maybe I can give myself more hair, way less, be nicer in my profile until you meet me, right? So all of these are about finding. What if Jesus steps in and Jesus, for some way, somehow, wouldn't this be cool? He has a relationship app. He has a dating app. What would that look like? Well, I think he steps into history and he, my own configuration, he started a dating app. And if there were dating apps back when Jesus was alive on the earth, I think it would be called J Harmony. All right? Uh, uh, without being sacrilegious, sacrilegious or offensive, uh, a J Harmony, a dating app, a relationship app that Jesus put together. It would be simple, demanding. Of course it would. Compelling, rewarding. It would be hard, but it would be rewarding because it's worth it. It's worth to find a relationship that lasts. Well, Jesus does step into history. He gathers his um, close friends around that the Bible calls disciples. And this is towards the end of his ministry, but the end of his life. In just a few days, he's going to go to the cross, which is a big deal. And the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus would mean nothing if Jesus didn't go to the cross and then didn't three days later rise from the dead in the resurrection because he just would have been as any dude. But because of that, he proved that what his words were, were true and should be listened to and probably should be followed. So Jesus gathers around his close buddies, his disciples, and he says this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, and, and we're like, what the heck is Jesus talking about? The disciples would have been, got it right away. They understood grapes. They understood vine and branch. They understood that Jesus was, was saying, okay, um, in order for you to bear fruit, in order for you to be effective, in order for you to produce the stuff you want to produce, the vines got to stay connected to the branches. The branches have to stay connected to the vine. And so Jesus uses this kind of agricultural illustration. And we like don't really get it unless you run a winery. But back, these guys understood immediately. They're basically saying, just saying, you can't bear fruit that reflects good stuff unless you stay connected to that good thing. He says, and he offers a promise. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Good things will happen when you stay connected to me. The goal is fruit bearing. The goal is, is fruitfulness. And everybody's life bears some kind of fruit. Everybody's life produces some kind of crop. All right? It's your reputation. It's decisions you make and the outcomes and results of those decisions. The, the quality of your relationships is the fruit of your decisions in your life. So we're all in some way, we all are connected to some vine and producing some type of fruit. Jesus is just saying, listen, if you really want to produce the best fruit, 
you need to stay connected to me. It's life-changing. It's the greatest promise of Jesus that he says, and this is not in a phony way. It's not just saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but, but it makes no difference. Really connected and following Jesus, staying close to Jesus, following Jesus. And, and as you do that, one day you wake up and you think, I'm not like I used to be. I'm becoming somebody different. I'm becoming somebody better. That Jesus says, and we'll get to what that fruit looks like in just a second. Jesus says, if you want to get the most out of life, stay connected to me. Because you'll bear fruit. But apart from me, you won't be able to produce anything worthwhile. Now this is a little tension. I don't want to spend a lot of time. But there's plenty of couples who love each other and have good relationships and they're not followers of Jesus. It makes me mad when I go to a wedding and someone, the pastor up front says, the only way to truly love and be happy and be satisfied in relationship is if you both are committed to Jesus. I don't think that's true. I think there's lots of relationships out there that aren't faith-based that still are loving. And we also know, right, there's a bunch of Christians that are married together and 50% of those marriages don't work out. So I, I don't want to get lost in like uh, only Christians are good at marriage and, and uh, all non-Christians are bad at marriage. That's not true. But I do know what's true. If you're connected to Jesus, if you're following Jesus, you have much more ability to be loving and caring and sacrificial and in a satisfying relationship than if you didn't. Let me rephrase that. I do much better connected to Jesus in my relationship with Darlene than if I wasn't. Apart from being connected to Jesus, I'm bad at relationship with Darlene. So, all of a sudden, Jesus is talking about vine and branches and fruit. Then he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And it's like, wait a minute, Jesus, you're just talking about vine and branches and stuff, and now you just change subjects, it seems like. I thought, I, I, where, where, when did we go from branches to love? And that's what's so key here. He says, as the Father loved me, so has I loved you, now remain in my love. Remain means stay connected to. Do the things that keep you close to Jesus and experiencing the love of Jesus. When you stay connected, when you are following Jesus, everything changes. That you, you are better at relationship. You are better at being a loving person if you're connecting to a loving Jesus. Then he says, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love. And man, if I was one of the disciples, or if this was when I was 10 or 11 or 12, I would like, okay, of course, here it comes. There's always a bait and switch. There's always like, just stay connected, and I'll love you, and you love me. And that seemed like my whole life growing up as a grade school and middle school, it was like, yeah, but you got to do this, 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 and this. And I think some of the people listening, maybe all the disciples said, all right, here we go. Here we go again. What commands, what list, give me the list of commands. Tell me how I'm supposed to earn my right to stay connected to you and feel loved and be loved. If you keep my commands, if you do this, there's always a condition. And then Jesus says this, in the midst of maybe they're doubting, in my doubt, Jesus says, my command 
is this. And then like, wait a minute, there's only one command? I thought there was a bunch of commands. We started with 10 in the Old Testament and then all the Jewish leaders have developed more, so we got over 600 of them. I figured we have to do all the commands in order to be loved and feel loved. And Jesus said, no, there's just one. He says, my command is this, love each other. He says, you want to stay connected to me? Love each other. And they're like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll love. But then he qualifies it. It's just not like, ah, I'm going to stand up in front of a crowd on my wedding day and say I love you. I'm going to write it once a year in a Valentine's Day card. No, this is real love. What kind of love is it? What kind of fruit is it? The fruit of being connected to the vine is love. What kind of love is that? He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That's a different kind of love. Because just a few days after this discussion, Jesus would do something that would take the disciples' breath away because it took his breath away when he willingly gave up his life on the cross and then didn't stay dead, came back to life. That the words, they, none of these disciples got any of this, didn't understand it until after that moment. Jesus says, listen, the only command you have to do is love and love the way I've loved you. And like, I'm not Jesus, I can't do that. But that can be a goal. That, that can make you capable. From my own ability, I can't be that kind of loving person. Connected to Jesus, I can be that loving person. That's why St. Augustine said, love God and do what you will. Essentially, love and then just do whatever you want. Be a real loving person, not a shallow Netflix movie, Lifetime movie love a real sacrificial loving person, just be a loving person, seeking the other person's needs before your own, uh, 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 doing unto others bef uh, uh, um, as you would have them do unto you, giving up your life for a friend type of love. Do that and then just do whatever you want because you will be living rightly. That's the only command you have to follow because all the other commands will fall into place. This is how you become a person worth looking for, is being loving but connected to a loving source. There's so many times you, I would try to step out on my own and under my own ability, try to be the person Darlene needed me to be. It, it didn't work. It didn't work. I need to stay connected to a loving source in order for me to be a loving person. Listen, if uh, you're married or in a relationship, sometimes, at some place in your relationship, we need to shift gears from finding to becoming. Because a lot of us find ourselves in relationships where we're trying to control, control, control. We're trying to get the other person to conform, conform, conform. Be who we want them to be. Change their behavior. Get what we want. We pressure and pressure and pressure. And if Jesus were standing in your kitchen while you're trying to do that, he would say, you guys, that doesn't work. That's never going to work. That's never worked. Temporarily, maybe out of guilt and shame, but not long term. There's no way that you can be happy in a relationship by getting the other person to conform and do what you want them to do. Never going to work. And listen, every time we talk about relationships, I understand it. I know that all of us are not in satisfying, healthy relationships. And a lot of us are struggling. But listen, that doesn't have to be the end of your story. You can still become a person where the person 
you're in relationship with is, is looking for you to be. You can become the kind of person they used to look for. You can become the kind of person we're staying for. And if you want to make, put the attention on your partner and say, yeah, they need to do this. They need to do that. They need, they need to become what I want. I don't know that's a loving response. If you would stop, guaranteed, I guarantee it. If you'll stop and say, okay, I just choose today to be a sacrificial loving person to the person I'm in relationship with, I guarantee your relationship will change for the better. I guarantee it. Listen, what do you do now? We got a lot more to say in the next coming weeks. We're just opened up the book a little bit. We're only on the first page. And just saying, listen, think about your relationships. How did they start? How did you prepare? Where did you end up? What would you like to change? If you're looking for relationships, what would that look like? All right? But um, we have a lot more for you. The greatest thing that happened during this last year that was a bad year for lots of us was at Real Life, we hired Sarah Barnes. And she became our uh, connections director. And part of her job and responsibilities that she's passionate about is to create um, a marriage ministry at Real Life that goes beyond just small groups. That's a, a full-blown marriage uh, ministry. So here's one thing you can do. Just write, just easily is check out our first real marriage event coming up. Again, during COVID and during lockdown and during pandemic, we've had to do things differently. But uh, there's an event coming up that starts, you can view this online 90-minute um, event, starts February 12th, anytime after that. And you can contact Sarah Barnes to get all the details. Here's her uh, number. Take it down, call her. If you want to fill out a connection card and make a note on the connection card online or even in underneath the Facebook thing, say, hey, hey, I'm interested. Uh, she can get you connected with a group that's going to watch it. She can get you connected so you, just you and your spouse or, or significant other can watch it. Because listen, when marriage is better, everything is better. And um, the people that put together this event, it's nationally known speakers. It's fun. It's connection. It's inspiration. It's not guilt and you're bad and you better change. Um, and it's a great way through the Valentine's Day weekend to do something that's meaningful. And it kind of kicks off where we want to go as a church, but especially as Sarah leads a team in this new marriage ministry. If you're interested and want to participate and help in marriage ministry, if uh, you have some ideas or you want to be a part of something or you're just looking for, you just know you need something, give Sarah a call. All right? Um, that's step one. Two, take some time, and you can do this on your own or with your partner. Um, evaluate way your preparedness plan. All right? And most of us would say, oh, I wasn't prepared at all when I got married. All right, so, so what? What's your, what's your plan now? What can you do or what could you do in order to be prepared for marriage tomorrow? A week from now, a year from now. What are the things you're doing that you prioritize to make your relationship better? We prioritize everywhere else in our job or working out or finances. What is your plan to make your relationship better? And maybe you have a talk. I would encourage you to have a talk with your spouse. I remember the moment in... Uh, marriage counseling a few years ago with Darlene and I when I'm just kind of spewing at the counselor saying, 
I just thought when I got married, it would be this and it would be this and we would be this and we would be that. And she just stopped me and said, that's cool that you had all those thoughts about what you wanted marriage to be. Did you ever talk to Darlene about what she wanted marriage to be? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. And that was a life-changing moment for me. So what is it that you want to do to prepare yourself for relationship tomorrow, the next day, week, years to come? And finally, I would just encourage you to stop and consider the unconditional love of Jesus. We talk about a vine and a branch and um, it, to love like Jesus loves and, and uh, remaining in Jesus. It, simply put, Jesus offers a relationship, eternal, long-lasting, life-giving relationship through the love that he showed and demonstrated when he said, listen, my creation, people are far from me because of all this sin and junk. Let's do something about it. So Jesus came to earth and paid the price for that. Whether you're ready to give your life to Jesus or make a commitment, I'm not asking you to join a church or give any money, but just would you consider, if you never have, consider what that unconditional love of Jesus really is, that the real historical Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior, would give his life because he loved and cared for you. I would just, would you consider that? And maybe if you're ready, make a move and a step towards that. Let's pray. God, thanks. Uh, we talk about your love and we read about your love. And a lot of times we just take that love for granted. I ask that love and being loving and loving relationships wouldn't just be words, but that you would continue to prepare us and help us be the loving people we need to be in order to enjoy long-lasting, satisfying relationships. And I pray, Jesus, that that starts with you first. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the brand new series. We're just going to continue in the next few weeks or so. Uh, I just uh, so appreciate that you would tune in and take time. Um, shout out to you and your home groups. I hope your discussion is great. Uh, Y'all have a great, great week. See ya. Love ya. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with us this morning. We're so glad you were here. If you haven't found our church app yet, go ahead and head to the app store. Download that on your phone, on your tablet. It's going to give you notifications for all the important things going on at Real Life. You can watch all the sermons, podcasts, and find all the information you need about Real Life. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next Sunday.